Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osban, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Today we will be discussing Brachot Daf Lamed Tet, 39. Very hard to believe that we are almost 40 pages in. Uh, today on this Daf, I want to discuss two interesting stories that I sort of want to compare a little bit to each other. Um, and I think they touch upon a theme that we've mentioned before, uh, but here actually have a different approach to it. One of the things, Anne, I think that you and I know that we keep discussing is that there certainly is an approach in the Gemara that acknowledges that there is difference of opinion and that we can embrace that difference of opinion. Not everything has to agree with each other within the corpus of Jewish law itself. However, on this page, we have two interesting um, stories that involve students. So I want to read both of them and then discuss them a little bit. Um, so the first we find is on Lama Amud Aleph, where there's a discussion about what is the correct uh, bracha, blessing to make over boiled vegetables. And it's going to give us a um, uh, discussion about this. Name a ketane, right? So let us say that there's a parallel dispute to this, right? That there's something else that's like this. There were two students who were sitting before Bar Capra. So they brought before him cabbage and this type of cooked plums and pargiot and meat of some kind. So Bar Capra said, okay, why doesn't one of you you know, make the uh, blessing. Like, I guess that was a way, you know, Zaho said this person would be the person who would, uh, you know, lead everybody in the blessing on the food. And that student comes and gives the blessing first on the meat. Now, we know that the blessing on the meat really would be And so what happens? His friend, okay, um, you know, makes, made fun of him for doing that because Really, what the halacha we would think would have been is, is that you would make the blessing on the vegetable first, right? You would say, priya adama, um, and then you would say, right? The less specific the, the blessing for that particular food is, um, you would make it later. The more specific, right? That's where we start with hamotzi and sort of work our way down. Uh, shahakal would be the last one. So this student starts off, he blesses on the meat first. And his friend, uh, you know, makes fun of him. Ka'as bar kapra amar. So bar kapra gets upset at this. Lo al I'm not upset with the person who made the blessing. Meaning, I think bar kapra is acknowledging that the person who made the blessing may have actually not done the correct thing. Ella al hamil ham. Uh, Got to say this word correctly. Hamilag leg anikoes. Rather, I'm upset at the person who was doing the ridiculing, who was making fun of him. Maybe your friend was somebody who doesn't normally eat meat, and therefore the implication is, is that meat is something that's so special to them that even though the bracha, the blessing is they would get to say it first, right? And you make fun of them. So in other words, part of what Bar Kapra is saying here is that there should have been sort of a, um, you know, like a Dan Lekaf's hood, actually, right? That he, uh, you know, that there should have been like a, you know, an assumption that there was a specific reason, uh, you know, why he was given, uh, you know, why he was actually given 
uh, or why this student actually gave this bracha of Shekol Niyabidvaro first. Okay? And then it goes on and says, Chazar um, Amar. Right? So then he goes back and says, He says, I'm not upset at the person who did the making fun of that, you know, that, that student. But I'm also angry at the person who made the blessing. And he says to that student, if there's no wisdom here, is there no elder here? In other words, saying to the student, you should have known that you weren't sure about which was the right blessing to make when you're presented with these three types of food, right? Uh, of a cooked cabbage, these cooked types of plums, right? Which presumably would have been not bore priya dama, but bore priya aids, and the meat. And here I was, I'm sitting here with you. And even if you don't think I'm smarter than you, I'm older than you. So you should have gone ahead and you should have asked me. So basically, Bar Kapra comes to say that both of these students did the wrong thing. And then the end of this is shocking. Tana ushnehem natan, and the Gemara goes on to say that both of those students did not live out uh, the year. In other words, both of these students actually died uh, within that year. Now we should know a little bit about who Bar Kapra was. Okay, he was actually a student of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, um, and he actually has a little bit of a um, sort of uh, harsh or prickly personality. Um, and, uh, you know, he, we see that he sort of, he sometimes sort of, uh, like makes fun of people, but he can be a little bit harsh. And I think this is a great example of one of these stories. And we'll see some more of these stories, uh, as we go through, um, as we go through the, uh, Gemara. Um, and again, uh, you know, there also was a book that he wrote called The Mishnah of Bar Kapra, uh, which is another thing to know about. But he's a Talmud of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi and sort of has a very uh, different um, personality than Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, you know, was sort of uh, very princely. That's why he's called that. He really had this sort of viciousness to him. And we see that in this particular story. But what is this story trying to tell us? And I think here Bar Kapra is really saying that both students were wrong. One student's wrong for making fun of, you know, the other student. And that I think that one seems very obvious to us. Um, But I think the other one that is more interesting is the second student who he gets upset with, where he's basically saying, and I think this is a theme we've seen before, that it's so important to be correct in our brachot, in our blessings that we make, that if you weren't sure about the bracha that you were going to make, what should you do? Uh, you sh- you should have asked somebody. And here I was your elder, your you know your teacher who was sitting before you, and you should have just asked me, and I would have given you uh, the correct answer. And then the Gemara goes on to say what exactly um, were they disagreeing about here? But but you know the, the essence of the story is is that both students behaved inappropriately. Then on Chavtet Amud Bet we have another interesting story, and here the Gemara is talking about if you have sort of slices of bread. And you have a loaf of bread. Where do you, how do you make? What do you make the bracha on first? Right. And so Rav Huna says earlier. Right. He says that you would make it on the slices of the bread. You can you can actually say it on the slices. And Rabbi Yochanan says no. The best way to do that mitzvah is to say it on the whole loaf. So now they have a, another story that talks about this. Okay. Um, Tani. Uh, uh, 
Tani Tana Kame de Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Okay, so uh, this Tana uh, recited this particular brisa um, in front of uh, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. And what was it? So if you have slices of bread and a whole loaf, what should you do? You put a, like one of the pieces inside the whole loaf. And I wasn't exactly sure how this happened, but I guess maybe you hold them together in some way. And then you sort of break the bread and then you make the blessing. Amarleh, and so Rab Nachman says to this anonymous Tana, Mashmech, what's your name? Amarleh, and the student says, Shalman, my name is Shalman. Now, notice the root of that word comes from, right, shalem, right, which means whole, or shalom, which means peace. Amar le, so Rab Nachman answers back to him, shalom ata ushleima mishnatecha, right? You are peace, and the teaching that you gave, right, is one that is whole, that is complete. Shesamta shalom bein hatamidim, because you somehow, this teaching that you taught actually reconciles the two differing opinions about what to do if you have slices or you actually have whole bread. And you actually figured out a way to make it uh, to make it one. And I love also that it takes both meanings of the word of shalman, both meanings of the shoash, shin, lam, and mem, right? That it can mean shalom um, and also can mean shlemut, right? That it means peace and it also means wholeness. And he gives this nice little... Uh, you know, pun that he sort of answers to him, right? So what do we learn from these two stories? I think the first story teaches us, first of all, and this I don't think is a particularly great chiddish, but we have to be sensitive to how we call people out. If we think that somebody's doing something wrong, we should always be down the kav's chud, right? We should always give someone the benefit of the doubt that there may be a particular reason why they practice a halakha in a particular way. Um... So, uh, you know, so that's one. Um, the second is, is, you know, that we have to be careful that if we're not sure of what the answer is, right? And that's why Bar Kappa gets upset even with that second student who is made fun of. You really need to go ahead and you need to ask about what's going on um, and make sure that you're getting the halacha correctly. And I think this is even more so true with the category of brachot because when we see how diligent uh, the Gemara is to really tease out that the correct bracha is being said, we can see that this, particularly around the area of brachot, was really a true value, that we really wanted to make sure that before we consume particular food, we are saying the correct bracha. And, I, you know, I think as we've mentioned before in previous episodes, that I think that gives us a little bit of a sensitivity to how great it is that food comes from the earth and growing it is difficult, and we have to be very thankful and appreciative of it before we partake of it. You know, today we're kind of removed from that because we sort of go to the grocery store and just buy what we want and things aren't seasonal anymore. But I'd like to believe that there was a particular meticulousness with brachot because producing food was uh, a, a much uh, intense, a much more of an intense activity. And there was a real gratefulness to be able to have these things in front of you. And then the last piece is that second story, the contrast, where somebody, as much as we said, there's sort of an embracing of differences of opinion. Here we have Rav Nachman, who wants to say to this student, the fact that you were able to come to a solution that sort of incorporates both opinions of what to do when you have a slice of bread and you have a whole bread is actually a tremendous midah, that it was really, that was a great attribute of that student, that they were able to um, create peace between 
two different positions, right? To basically eliminate the machlokas. And also that that teaching is therefore a complete teaching because he reconciled those different opinions. And I just thought these were two lovely stories uh, that really discuss different approaches to how we are a good student, how we are a good teacher, um, and some of those values that the Gemara very often wants to um, impart on us. I think the stories are great, Yordana, and I, I think that they shed light in so many like complicated areas of, of what it means to come to, I don't know, deal with halacha, to set out different approaches in halacha. I want to actually backtrack now, however, and and maybe it connects to this last point that you've made in terms of the way they're able to come to come some some kind of consensus, and that's really part of the story. Um, if we go back to Lamed Tet Amud Aleph, even. Even Lamed Chet Amud Bet at the very end of it, Amale Rav Yirmiyah Rabbi Zayir Rabbi Yochanan Hechi Mivarach Al Zayit Meliach Kivan Deshkila Legarina Betzarle Shiura. So the Gemara is talking about um, making a bracha over a salted olive. Now I'm not a big fan of olives. I don't know what a salted olive is. Some kind of pickling going on, right? With regard, so this is they say, how did he make the bracha? What was what kind of bracha did he make? The pit was not there. We have to figure out what exactly what what is he eating of it, right? He's eating presumably just the olive, but sarle shiura. Did it have the amount of a shear of the of the required measurement for which a bracha would be required or a bracha chrona would be required? What's going on here? What is the amount of this olive? Now the olive as a choice of food. I say I don't know what a salted olive is, but the phenomenon of an olive being the choice here is not incidental. Many, many things in halacha of re- pertaining to food have a measurement, a, a, a minimum, let's say, a minimum requirement of the amount of an olive, quote unquote, an olive. And it doesn't mean physically, literally an olive that you sit there and, me- and measure it, except for that kind of it does, because the Gemara talks about how big was this olive? And do you include the, if you're talking about mass, if you're talking about weight, do you include the pit? That's why they're talking about this the pitless salted olive, right? Do you include, are they talking about the same kinds of olives that we have today? What size is that? And, and you know, even now we know Greek olives and Kalamata olives, and there's such a, a, an array, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're in the Middle East and you want to sample different olives, um, you can go to any supermarket and they will have, you know, bins of open olives and cans of olives and so on. And the question is not really what kind of olive is this, but what is this amount? What I want to talk about here is not the particulars of the measurement, right? Kazayit is the measurement. There's other things that get other measurements, Kikotevit, Kikrogeret. There are, I would like to talk about not what these measurements are, but the phenomenon of there being a standardization of measurements, meaning everybody's going to make brachot, bracha rishona, bracha achrona, a preliminary bracha and after bracha. What are the requirements for that? Well, it's we could always say, let's say for, let's say, we'll make the case easy, um, for Birkat HaMazon. We could say, well, as long as you're full, then you need to bench, right? You need to say Birkat HaMazon. Okay, but how how full are you supposed to be, right? What amount of fullness? And are you, is one person's fullness experience the same as the other person's fullness experience? So what I find um, valuable in this discussion about the olive and, you know, the this exact question of what size and what mass and what measurement is the idea that we're going to streamline, halacha is going to streamline that for us, that we're not going to worry about one person being full 
you know, with less food and one person is taking more to fill them up or, you know, the, um, the bite a person takes, do they take a tiny bite of their olive for their bracha rishona for their preliminary bracha, or do they take a, you know, they eat the whole olive whole does not matter. That is not the issue. We're going to have standardized measurements and that is going to be valuable in terms of recognizing that we have machloket throughout. We have dispute throughout all different areas of halacha. And at the end of the day, the reason that we focus on getting to a psak, whether it's consensus or giving in, which is not necessarily the same as consensus, right? Or even there's a variety of piske halacha in various books that you will need depending on your circumstance, if you have exigent circumstances. But under the basic basic um, standard situation, this is what you're going to do. And the reason I think that's, that's valuable, the standardization policy, let's say, I think it's valuable, is because there is so much divergence within Judaism to begin with, within the nature of different views, that the idea is that, but at the end of the day, we're all going to practice, you know, within a certain spectrum that we're all going to have the amount of an olive to be able to make our bracha with a pit, without a pit, they, they flesh it out. My concern is not those details, but the phenomenon of it. Now, part of the reason I like this is I would say that I have within me a certain amount of, you know, anarchic tendency by me, by which I mean, not really, not literally anarchy, but the idea that, you know, everybody should do what they want. Right, except for that, we know that this does not work. From, for example, say for Shoftim, where everybody did what they want, and really bad, bad stuff happened in the community at large. I don't really think that everybody should do what they want. I think there is merit to be able to approach any of these topics, whether it's food, whether it's the nature of your bracha. Right, everybody's coming to this dis discussion with their own opinions, and they can hash it out, and they do on this page. And your Dana, you've just given us exactly the examples of real hashing it out where they did not come to a good end from it. But the idea is that, my idea anyway, is that hash it out, discuss it, you know, bang your heads over the issue, and then we have standardized practice, at least within reason. And the the benefit of that, I believe, is that it it reminds us all that we are this unified people. We buy into halacha. We keep what we do, and we can grapple with the different issues and struggle with these different issues and clash heads and and opinions and so on, in in the theory that leads up to the different practice. But by the time we get to, you know, eating our olive, we're going to have a decision. Or, I'm sorry, it's not eating our olive. It's eating food that will be the measurement of the olive. We have some basics. What What is that amount going to be? So it's a little bit of a tease to talk about measurements without actually going through all of the different measurements and what those scales are, are concluded to be. Perhaps we'll take the time for that at a different time. Certainly, shiurim measurements come up throughout throughout everything of Shas. Um, but I just wanted to express my appreciation here for the streamlining that goes on that, that is valued by the Gemara even in the midst of the Machloket. That's our dot for the day. Thanks for joining us. Find us, rank it, sorry, write, rank us, review us on any of the places where you get your podcast. You can join our WhatsApp group. We have a newly opened Facebook page. Find us there, Talking Talmud, like the podcast. Until tomorrow, go and learn.